and it's, it's a miracle. I actually, I actually watched two movies in one night. Wow. Um, I know, right? So, um, Ellie was at a friend's house for a sleepover. Let's see, this was uh, Monday night because she was still on break. Um, so we, uh, I, we were taking down the Christmas tree and, uh, I don't know how, oh, I know how this all transpired. I've been, uh, addicted to like all the old music videos on that Vivo, uh, mm-hmm. um, streaming thing on Roku or whatever. And, uh, so we were just watching old music videos and just cracking up and <laughs> one for Footloose came on. And Thomas admits to me that he's never seen Footloose. And I'm like, I don't know who you are anymore. I'm filing for divorce because (laughs) Footloose is one of the great masterpieces of the 20th century. And so I made him watch Footloose, which, you know, he and I even had him going for a little bit. I said that, uh there was a really hot sex scene between John Lithgow and Diane Weist. And so he had to, he had to sit through the whole movie to, to see that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but uh, then we followed it up with uh, Banshees of Inishirin. Mm. Um So it was a really fucked up double feature. Which also has a hot scene with uh, John Lithgow and Diane Weist. <laughs> and Diane Weist. And Colin Woo! Farrell. And uh, oh, man. a finger or two. Uh, and I'll, yeah, I'll, some I'll fi- shut there's, up. <laughs> there's lots of fingers in that um yeah so uh really loved uh banshees god okay yeah i'm still thinking about it i'm i'm yeah i'm not gonna go there (laughs) i'm still thinking about it too i watched the menu uh which is Mm. speaking of fingers there's 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 another finger uh subplot um okay highly recommend but i don't think for you i don't know for you jill um if you're in in like food foodie stuff Mm -hmm. i think you'll find it funny but it's Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a foodie horror um have you seen it dave I have not seen the menu yet, but I have seen the Banshees of Inisherin. That is very good. Okay. Oh my god! I mean, talk about like, man, you know, just made it just made me so <laughs> fucking sad, <laughs> and I don't need any help to feel sad. You know what I mean? Like, I, and it was, I think my favorite thing about that movie is it seems like such like a silly premise at first, yeah. mm-hmm. but it just treats it so seriously, and you're like, oh man, that really would suck. Yeah, that really sucks. That's yeah. why I'm still chewing on that is is the premise and some of you know some of the extremities that um that are part of the plot. Uh, but the yeah, I mean, it's definitely it a yeah. very you know it slaps you in the face mm-hmm. with the um metaphor for the Irish Civil War. So I mean, that's right, right. you know that is the obvious, but then also like just when you get down to kind of like a micro level about relationships and Mm -hmm. being selfish and choosing to be kind over choosing to be hateful and like like there's a there's a lot of layers to it and ultimately there's just a shitload of selfishness going on and that's so sad and i don't know i just dave um, i'm sorry we can't be friends anymore you can't talk to me or i'll (laughs) anyway (laughs) no spoilers yeah (laughs) 
You better not keep trying to podcast with me then, Aaron. <laughs> or else. Yeah, he would be a terrible guest <laughs> if I was not talking to you. Or I'd be a terrible host, actually, rather. Uh, Jill, you have to work between us. You have to, you have to <laughs> oh my God. tell Aaron everything that I want to say. It's like so, a tennis uh, match. <laughs> yeah. Your um, men are so feckin' stupid. <laughs> I um, won't disagree. <laughs> well, let's get to the, what the people want. Uh, I'm sure the people want a lot of banter about banshees and menus and um, all sorts of stuff, but uh, let's talk criterions and, and also sight and sound. That'll be fun. Yeah. And um, and I, I should also say, hey, sorry, y'all. We've we've had a busy couple months. We I think we first meant to record this before Thanksgiving. Is yeah, that right? That's right. Yeah. And then it's just been a couple holidays since then. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Two well, or we three. had we had three. you know in my house we had flu and COVID, mm-hmm. and then. And then holidays and work and all that and swim meets and, you know, and yeah. here we are. It's 2023. What the hell? You know? Yeah. Time we, flies. we had a death in the family. You can't control that. Things yeah. are going fine with that. But, uh, you know, yeah. So anyway, I'm glad that we could gather um, at 11 p.m. and uh, <laughs> um, yeah. and talk criterions. Uh, even, Ooh, and we're going to yeah, kind of. I'm so tired. <laughs> We're gonna um, since we we missed February because of uh, the our scheduling conflicts, so we're just gonna knock out February and March today. Um, Sounds good. And I, I think we'll get on a regular cadence pretty soon. Uh, we, uh, as I mentioned in the last couple of shows, we do have something um, you know soon we'll we'll be announcing soonish. We, yeah. we ho- hope to announce it already, but you know stuff happened. But um, but yeah, I think we'll be doing some fun things later. So without further ado, um, I did get the opportunity to join on um, the best of the year Criterion cast. And Jill, uh, you were very, very much missed. Um, I know. And... I, I was so bummed. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's OK. But you had asked me to, to deliver a message and uh, I had a power outage. Otherwise, I think I might have got to it, but um, maybe not. I don't know. But um, do you want to share that message? Yeah. Um, arsenic and old lace still sucks. <laughs> Okay, there you go. So, least favorite criterions of the year. Um, actually, I didn't didn't really look. I, I don't know what I hate this year. I might. I'll come back to me on it. I might come up with that one. So, oh no, I think I know. Um, there, there was one I hated. Okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, what was it? Don't keep us in suspense. I'm I'm looking at the list. I I, I can't remember. I'm sorry, but uh, it was not good. Um, um couldn't have been that bad if you can't remember which one it is that's right it didn't ruin your life like you're, you're right although, although i did think of the blooper when we were talking about time jill that was oh. one of the funniest bloopers ever um, oh yeah i was like oh wait they've got a movie you're like yeah that's what we're talking <laughs> so anyway i'll i'll think of that later i'll figure it out but um but uh anyway so I got the chance to talk about my uh, favorite criterions of the year. Uh, it was always a fun episode. Um, of course, I had to had a power outage, so I had to re-record with Dave over the weekend, David Blakesley, not Dave Eves. But I thought, uh, you know, since that's a topic and we're in the new year now in 2023, would ask you both um, what your favorite criterions of 2022 were. So we did three and a cover. I don't know if I don't want to put you on the spot, but um, if you can, if you got them. And I don't care, you know, you can just blot out, uh, come out with all three or, uh, you know, alternate, whatever you want. Jill, I will let you go first. Oh, wow. Okay, great. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Uh, it was kind of, it was a great year, a lot of great releases. So, um, 
what I have for my three are Love Affair, The Last Waltz, and Summertime. Um, and I know it's Summertime, you know, was already in the collection. This is an upgrade, but this uh, was very much needed. It looks beautiful. Um, and then favorite cover. Um, that one's tough. Um, I kind of like the simplicity of the Raging Bull cover. Mm. Um, and maybe that's a little controversial. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll either go with that or Double Indemnity. How about that? That's a good one. I found the film, by the way. It was Okja, which I didn't hate, but I didn't. I... Aaron, I had a feeling that that was going to be yeah. what you said was your least favorite because I was I, I did not care for that movie. And I was shocked because I really like Bong Joon-ho. Mm. So I thought like, oh, what can go wrong here? It's just it's such a weird movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's a weird agenda, you know, and I I don't. Yeah, that doesn't usually bother me. But um, it was like anti hot dog agenda. Um, and I'm OK with that. I, and yeah, I, th too. I think that that's a good message. It's just such a strange, almost like buy-in almost and it's just so weirdly structured mm -hmm. i don't know sometimes those like direct to netflix movies kind of have that feel and i think it's slightly because at that time they were giving directors like you do whatever you want and the yeah. director's like okay i sometimes think that when you need to you know package something in the most uh marketable way it creates not maybe marketable but in the most uh distribution friendly method sure it creates something we're all a little bit more used to and okja almost was lacking that and i think it just needed a little bit more cohesiveness to tie it all together instead it just felt like random scene after random right, scene right. i don't know yeah what's funny is i accidentally bought two <laughs> and um jill knows this uh well and i sent one to jill <laughs> so here Thanks, I'm, Aaron. I'm like i appreciate it hadn't watched just it rewatched it yeah <laughs> I, I watched it on netflix it actually really did look good on 4k um plot yeah. notwithstanding um but anyway i that's a digression so dave what what are your favorite uh and we, we know your least favorite i think uh your favorite <laughs> criterions of 2022 so I definitely had to scroll through the list a couple times here. I, I mean, I bought everything that came out in 2022, but I, I'm ashamed to admit that I've not watched too many of them yet. I think I have uh, need to start watching more of everything that I buy. But the ones that stood out the most to me um, were the celebration of Interberg film. I had never seen it before, the Blu-ray, mm -hmm. and was really blown away by it. I always thought that the whole Dogma 95 thing was a little bit like, eh. But it was kind of really interesting to actually watch a film made in that style and see what it's all about and see how great a film that is that minimalistic can be. Mm -hmm. um, that was fantastic. Let's see what else I really liked. I had the list in my head. Now that I'm looking at everything, I can't remember what I was going to choose. Another one that I really liked was uh, Lost Highway. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that yeah. been a, a subject of controversy a few years back with a Blu-ray release yeah. that was not uh, not uh, okay with David Lynch, but the 4K looks absolutely incredible. Uh, and Daisies. I know that this has already mm -hmm. been in the collection, yeah. but as part of the Eclipse series, and I think it's great that it finally has a standalone Blu-ray release. I also know that it had a Region B Blu-ray release before, but I am just so happy that such a great film can get that uh, attention that it deserves because uh, not everyone has region free players. Right. I think that's pretty much very much uh, part of the Blu-ray aficionado phase. And I don't think everyone's quite at that level. No, I'm also going to say Daisy's had my favorite cover of the year. I really like what they did with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really nice cover. You know, um, what's interesting about the best of the year, I don't, 
because everybody chooses three, I think we didn't have double indemnity, but we had to um, call it out because it's such a big release. I think the same is true of um, Raging Bull as well, you know, mm -hmm. huge, right. huge release. Yeah, uh, great. And uh, Lost Highway was a, a, a tough cut. It's tough to come up with three after. Oh, after, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really loved the the Lost Highway print um, and got kind of like reevaluated the film. And I think it actually, it's one of them. Um, Lynch's best, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> sight and sound. You know, I I think this discussion will be a little different now that it's kind of settled in, because when we were first going to record, I think we were a little feisty. I, I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> I, I actually trolled a famous critic, which I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll keep keep between us for now. But um, yeah, it was interesting. Just, just the three of us and all of the Criterion now listeners. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I haven't, I haven't mentioned a name yet, so... Uh, okay. Well, I, I, do you think I should mention it? Yeah, you should. Joseph McBride and mm -hmm. I, um, mm -hmm. I, I a lot of respect for what he's done as a critic, but um, mm -hmm. we he he has blocked me um, on Facebook, I think rightfully so. <laughs> I was I was definitely... Um, well, the thing is, when I pulled out the Pauline Kale, I think that's what really did it. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, yeah, re respect him, but he had a really bad take. I thought. Yeah, he's a he is. Um, yes, I do have, and I have mutual friends, you know, uh, or friends who are friends with him, and mm -hmm. and I do have uh, respect for his, you know, what he's done, especially like you know his work on Wells, and you know, like yes. However, um, he's definitely stuck in another time and has not updated or progressed at all. And, um, you know, kind of traveling in the old Hollywood weirdo circuits, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that. Um, but you don't have to be that way. You can still love those things and kind of evolve in your um, opinions. And this person has not done that. So he can be quite, uh, quite an ass. Let's just say that. <laughs> quite an ass. And uh, we'll back up a little bit. So uh, probably all listeners and files know that the Sight and Sound uh, release was a bit controversial. Um, and because of, you know, there was, it was the most diverse list in history, although I'd argue it's where, you know, the more, more, more accepting of diverse uh, films and interest of, in diverse films in history. Um, and his, his take, well, I mean, he, he had a kind of alluded take, but the, you know, to, to simplify it, he basically said, uh, there's no Lubitsch on this list. So it's basically, um, you know, not credible. And I love Lubitsch. He's like one of my favorite filmmakers. And I'm sure you both do as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I looked at my top 125 list, loving Lubitsch. I don't have a Lubitsch title on there, which surprised me because I really love Lubitsch. But that's the thing about list is you, you can't just, you know, you can't please everybody and have their favorite director. Um, right. Exactly. I mean, there's no Weiler in the top 100 and that, you know, was kind of crazy to me. And, mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, North by Northwest being like, is the wrong hitch, you know, there was what, three Hitchcocks in the list, I think, two or I, three, I think there's three, well, Vertigo, of course, uh, I think Vertigo, Rear, Rear Window yeah. and North by Northwest. And I just, I love North by Northwest. I think it's the wrong Hitchcock to mm -hmm. be in here. Um, I agree. So, I mean, yeah, I had small quibbles with it. I think, 
Um, but I do know people who were asked to be a part of this poll for the first mm-hmm. time and um, people who are queer and not white. Mm-hmm. And I think this is fairly it's more diverse. And I think it's if it calls attention to some of these films that, you know, haven't been um, in the spotlight you know, I think that's great. If it, if it finds, if these films find new audiences, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And at at the end of the day, it's a fucking list. Exactly. I mean, Jesus, like, I mean, it's an important one. It's one that people Mm -hmm. very highly as I think they should, but I think everyone still needs to just admit like, Oh, this can't, this is never going to make you wrong about what you like. Film is still subjective. Absolutely. And yes, you know, I th- yeah, maybe there should be a Lubitsch on this list. I don't. I mean, he's he, he was fantastic. Yeah. You know, well, well, honestly, I think that 100 films is. I mean, I mean, they've been making this list for what seven decades yeah. now. Yeah. There are how many more films right. now than when they first did this in 1952? And I know that in previous years they published longer lists, and I'm hoping that they come out with a longer list than just 100. Um, yeah, it's almost unfair to, to say. Yeah. Isn't yeah, there? soon. I think this month. Yeah, they're okay. going to release yeah. uh, 250 and also all the votes. What's funny is right, I, yeah. I saw one person say, I'm going to go through the votes and see who's responsible. It's 1,600 people, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be well, enjoy yourself. Any, so, anybody who feels that way that's listening to this, like, get a hold of yourselves. Like, <laughs> And and just because Lubitsch is not in this list or William Wyler isn't in this list or, you know, pick whatever movie, pick whatever filmmaker, it does not invalidate, okay? It does mm-hmm. not invalidate that person, their work, the film. It doesn't invalidate its existence, okay? No. You know, do I think, you know, would I put Best Years of Our Lives in the top 100? Absolutely. Is it, does it need... um new audiences to keep it in relevant no no it's one of it's one of the most seen and beloved and uh you know critically acclaimed movies of all time Mm -hmm. okay so it, it it has there's no risk of it falling into you know some you know void so so that you know but something like you know black girl Mm-hmm. or something like uh, um oh gosh i mean you pick anything out of this list spirit of the beehive um you know there's some there are some films here that need a little need a little love mm-hmm. and maybe out of that if there aren't releases maybe we'll see some of these films get recognition and a lot of i mean there's a lot of female filmmakers on here um yeah i mean it's just yeah so yeah, Claire Denis in the top ten, Boat Vibe, which is an amazing film. I don't know if you've right. seen it, yeah. Jill, but um, I have mm-hmm. a feeling you have, Dave. I have, yes, and it's great. I can't really, yeah. And there's a lot of Varda on the list. I want to say three titles. Um, so it's, yeah. I, I, and somebody, so uh, Paul Schrader. <laughs> um, hmm. Which his Facebook page mm. is like my guilty pleasure. It's so because it's too. like it's like blood, and then there's actually like a Twitter account that like yeah, posts. The, the Paul, the Paul Schrader Facebook <laughs> yeah, but, posts, and he knows about it because mm-hmm. so he'll like he'll he'll post those. Apparently, somebody's posting all of this. He is definitely like. I love him from the standpoint of he's he's a great writer, a filmmaker, and oh, yeah. But he is he is definitely um, 
an interesting individual who <laughs> opens Agreed. his mouth more than he should. Mm-hmm. Which is why I love him. Right. It's like I that, mean, it's like you're talking about the online, yeah, right. the online yep. poker where he was like yep. told the girl like nice rack and then they like kicked him <laughs> out. And he's like, I don't know. Like, what was the, what was the problem with that? I was just complimenting her breasts. And everybody was like, oh, my God, Paul, you can't do that. You yeah, know, yeah. like um, it's nice to have some people that are just completely out of touch with the current reality. <laughs> right. Like, and it makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. but on that, I, I think this list is a very good reflection of what the current critical landscape yeah, is. Absolutely. And I honestly think that the that it was getting stale. Yeah. I'm not saying that the list needs a complete shakeup every year, but I was looking back at decades past. Mm-hmm. And when you start getting back to the early days, you were having new films, like films made since the last list was created, added and getting very high marks almost every time, like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, came out in what 68 and it was in like the top 20 of the 1972 list granted there i don't know what the discourse was in 1972 uh i I wasn't on twitter in 1972 (laughs) maybe people complained about it but if if you had a movie that was made in 2018 in the top 10 of this list people would have burned sight and sound down to the ground Mm -hmm. and i think that we need to start realizing hey maybe we can't treat the canon as being this uh stationary object this unchanging thing maybe it is something that needs to keep embracing things and i'll even admit in my own mind probably because of lists like this i tend to think of the classics as being more important than things that are being made now and i also think it's a little bit of a current like generational mindset and it is wrong and it's a hard thing to kind of break out of when you almost feel like you need to hold certain things at a higher standard higher value yeah there's no need to be precious about it i mean Mm -hmm. exactly you know so that's i mean that's the thing is is I understand that again, when I looked through this list, there was like, I was almost butthurt over the the fact that Weiler wasn't anywhere to be found. Like I was like, mm-hmm. how dare they <laughs> leave him off? He'll be in the and, 250. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, oh, and sure. Yeah. But like, you know, so that was my first, my first reaction to that. And then I kind of felt bad. <laughs> Yeah, I felt bad because I mean, it was like, I'm going to hunt these people down. And I, you know, <laughs> no, so I get it. It's like you, you're, it's like a, you take it personally, right? Yeah. But then you have to sit there and go, wait a minute. You know, so I, the, I am very much of the, um, of the mindset that the, the film canon should be, is, is, should be living and breathing. Okay. It yep, should agreed, be. Agreed constantly changing and yes you're gonna have key films in certain eras that introduced a style or you know or made such an impact culturally that you have to discuss it but there's if we sit here and we champion the same 25 movies over and Mm -hmm. over and over again um you it really you really have a limited view of of cinema and you have students that come out and are still repeating the same old same old tired um you know statements like you know dw griffith was you know the greatest right, filmmaker right. of all time which is horseshit you know you you're mm-hmm. missing so much and so yeah i i am i thought it was great and i was loving just all of the clutching and the and the wailing and the 
you know, <laughs> it was controversial, <laughs> utter despair that people were feeling over this. It just, I loved it. It was, it, it, ruined. it was a great time to be online with a bucket of popcorn. I mean, yes. it ruined so many people's lives. And I just, <laughs> yep. I, I, that's all I ask for from a sight and sound list. I love the sight. And sound. If someone yeah. is not destroyed, then it's not worth it. <laughs> that's right. It's so important <laughs> to people. And I, I, I've loved, you know, the last 10 years I've looked at, tried to watch as many of them as I could. Some, some are hard to watch because they're not available but um but i actually get a little bit of joy out of the fact i mean i i love um chantal ackerman um i, th I think it's almost like redemption because not redemption but validation because you know she committed suicide um and right. she, you know, she, she had a tortured Ooh. life but she was brilliant and she was a visionary and you know just i'm sure her family is and friends um you know probably feel a, a great sensation of joy just seeing this recognition. Yeah, the meatloaf uh, movie, number one, man. Exactly. But the thing is, that this is where I um, I've watched <laughs> Dealman twice. Um, I don't know when I'll watch it a third time. It'll happen someday. But I've seen it, and I know how. I know what's there, and so I just kind of like like it's a bad gateway into art cinema. It's not a bad yeah, film, it's, it, but it's a tough film. And I kind of laugh I, about people. <laughs> all the new sales are like, oh, Gene Dealman. Um, yeah, <laughs> Dave, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I kind of agree with you there, but it, I, I do love it. If I were to submit a top 10 list, it would be in my top 10 list. It is a movie that kind of, I've only seen it once, but it completely blew me away because it was doing things with cinema that I didn't, I had never seen anywhere else before. And I absolutely loved it. But you do typically think of a number one film being something like a Citizen Kane right. that is a gateway. But again, that's just because that's what we're used to. And I think it will be very interesting for people to be like, what? is this three and a half hours of this? <laughs> is, she, is she still? Uh, how, oh, how many people uh, are going to watch it double speed? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, no, I, I also I love the film, too. I, I don't know if it would make my top 100. Why? Well, I actually have a top um, but my number one is Come and See, which is um, mm -hmm. a very... Which is a famously riveting... easy film to watch. <laughs> yes. It's, it's you know, but it, you bring out the popcorn. It's uh, exciting. It's thrilling. It makes you feel great at the end. Yes, it's emotionally scarring. And so I would not uh, recommend that as a, a gateway into cinema. But, you know, I, I can't... I just really hope that someone paused the episode right then and there after my recommendation and said, I'm watching Come and See right now. So yeah, a good list. I'm I'm really curious about the the, the 250. Um, mm -hmm. and also uh, Jill, you'd mentioned you have friends that submitted lists. Uh, I, yeah. I do as well, and I and a lot of them were young, and I saw Gene Dillman in a lot of those, and, and you know very diverse lists. Um, so yeah, it, as you said, uh, Dave, this reflects right. You know, mo the modern take on cinema. It's really a snapshot of, you know, the critic and film historians view of cinema right now so i i have Agreed. nothing no, no and complaints i was wrong there's four hitchcocks and i i don't take issue with that because i love hitchcock mm -hmm. but there's four psycho was in there too so yeah i forgot about i that. i would i would be very curious what this list would look like if they only limited it to one director or one film one per selection director. interesting yeah. i think hitch, yeah, hitch could still come get it get four titles in just because and you know the the four titles here i love all four of them yeah. But the one that I mean to me, not having notorious in one of these is just yeah. a crime. Yeah, and, yeah. and when you said Wilder, my first, I heard Wilder, and I was like, wait a minute, he had a couple. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, it is weird to have like some like it hot in the same list with uh, Gene Dillon. It wouldn't be my choice for Wilder, even though I I think the movie's mm -hmm. hilarious. Right. But um, 
you know, and there's a it, Sunset Boulevard too, and I think that's it. I think those are the only two. I think yeah. the apartment was on. Oh, the, the apartment's in here. Oh, too. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's right. So he got three. But yeah. Look to me, the, the no, I, granted, I'm not surprised because he had like what eight films last time right, was right. is Jean Luc Godard. I I can't help but wonder. I I have to think that in the 2032 list that there's going to be less Godard. I uh, kind of feel like he's so. falling a little bit out of favor. Yeah. With younger critics. Yeah. Um, haven't. And even though I like a lot of his films, I I don't disagree that maybe we have kind of elevated his importance quite a bit, and uh, maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's time to let some other people. You know, take the spotlight. Yeah. And I'm not trying to discount any of the great things that sure. Godard did for, for cinema or anything. But I also think he was yeah. a little bit of a cantankerous old bastard. And I think oh, it's funny. He was an he, absolute jerk face. And... He, completely. He made Agnes Varda cry. And in fact, we took a, a French New Wave film uh, class uh, last year. And everybody agreed that there could have been less Godard and more Varda. So. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But I will say I'm, I am very pleased that, um, you know, we got a couple Pal and Pressburgers. I yep. probably mm -hmm. would have. I love that A Matter of Life and Death is on here. I probably yeah. would swap Red Shoes for. Um, I know where I, uh, I know where I'm going. Um, really? Yeah, probably. Huh. That is, I see. I would have picked Black Narcissus. I I'm I'm shocked, too. but delighted about. Uh, yeah, I, I know where I'm going. But, oh, I, yeah. but I know where I'm yeah. going. To me, is just like on a different level and. Um, and then I do love that we got Journey to Italy on here. Um, that mm -hmm. is um, one of my favorites. So there were some really nice surprises. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's well done overall. Well done. Yeah, Jill, I can tell from your choice of that and Summertime as favorite films that you also really love the genre of beautiful people having a terrible time in beautiful places. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah. That, you see Banshees of Inishirin. I mean, that's really <laughs> gorgeous. Absolutely mm -hmm. gorgeous. They filmed that in on um, Innismore, which is the largest of the Aran Islands. And then they filmed uh, the, I think, all of the when they're on the beach that was filmed um up in county mayo um not not on the finger lakes <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey my, my my wife's from there kind of but you know when I, on the um best of mm -hmm. i don't know if you listened yet but the piano was on my list and i compared mm -hmm. it to banshees i actually think they're very similar films when you think mm -hmm. about it just the way they're staged <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i mean well yeah <laughs> Harvey Keitel gets completely naked in both. <laughs> no, that 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 was a weird joke. Diane Weiss and John Lithgow again. Getting yep. it on. I'm telling you, um, there's like ten movies where they have a hot sex scene. I think that that's part of their writer when they get signed to a movie. Yeah, is, they were like, um, we we have to star in this movie together, and we have to have a viciously wild <laughs> and nasty sex scene. This guy's like, if I'm not fucking waste, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, anyway. That's on that note. Um, I, well, one last thing about Sight and Sound is one thing that was an interesting takeaway was how many of these movies in the 100 are on Criterion. I think it was. Yeah. I, I didn't measure compared to the, the last decade or the decade before. But, you know, I think there was almost an accusation that Criterion is has become a, a canon maker or a tastemaker, which isn't fair. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I think I think that it is. I think it is. Yeah. And I, I'll agree. I don't think that's entirely fair. You know, it shouldn't just be what is most exposed, the, the label that exposes the most releases. I'm not sure if 
that's fair but um, the reality I mean, is but at the same time role. i think we have that, i mean they uh, have they a do. role in it you know and and that's but, why they when they were criticized rightfully criticized in that um new york oh, right. times yeah. piece yeah. about diversity in the catalog they went oh shit and they and they have made some really positive strides towards you know di- you know diversifying their catalog yeah. so uh, you know i think they absolutely do have an impact on this because how many times have we gone oh my god they've you know gotten the rights to this you know you know rare czech cinema you know release sure. that hasn't seen the light of day in 50 years i mean that they, they are responsible for that it, mm-hmm. in large and i would say film foundation too mm-hmm. i would say well it's uh, another product absolutely project? well yeah a film Which is part of foundation, yeah. you know yeah. I, um i think i think they they all have play a role in it and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing yeah. Oh, not at all. And how else can it be? Because how else are people going exactly. to see exactly. these movies? Exactly. Right. So how not are they everyone go, lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't not, live like in an art cinema. Like, good <laughs> God. And, and so I, I find that that's such an issue sometimes that I experience on online is there are a lot of people that live in Los Angeles or right. New York. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. But they have access to seeing some movies in theaters that Many of us never will right. if you don't live near right. a repertory theater or live at a place that really pushes for that. Right. And for a lot of people, the only way you can experience some of these films is through Criterion, right. either on disc or on the well, channel. And this is why I got so pissed off when Filmstruck died, because yeah. Filmstruck was really, I mean, Kino had tried to do a little bit of streaming and Warner Archive had tried to do a little bit of streaming, but really... They didn't, you know, not great on that end. But Filmstruck was really the first time where, and and yes, Criterion Channel had been available before on Hulu, but it was really just what was in their catalog. There was mm-hmm. they weren't licensing new things to put right. into that. It wasn't curated, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's why when Filmstruck went away and all these people were like, "Well, I don't need this," you know, well, physical media, which I am a big physical media proponent. But there, there was a contingency of people who either had unlimited resources or damn near it mm. for their own personal catalog, or they lived in a city that had a plethora of options, okay? And I'm sitting here going, you know what? I'm hearing something different because I'm hearing from kids in middle America who were exposed to all of these great things that they would never have access to so then criterion channel comes along which kind of you know continues what uh, filmstruck started right that was Mm -hmm. what that was why it was such a loss because you were exposing you know a lot of young young people to these movies that otherwise would not have access and then they go well you got the library you have you have canopy well you know not everyone lives in somewhere in a, in a place that has a good library system or that the library system has access to canopy so i don't know making these available for in as many ways as possible is not a bad thing and criterion having a role in what we're seeing um not a bad thing either no they so, put out great 
additions, which we're going to talk about a few. And um, and yeah, and and it's not like they're putting jellyfish eyes in, or you know, it's, it's still good movies. Um, right. I know I, that's my go-to. Hey, uh, prediction: twenty thirty-two, number one, Okja. It's going to be, it's going to be the <laughs> the, the anti-hot dog uh, zeitgeist. Um, oh my god. Okay, I don't like hot dogs. That's the thing. That's don't kill me. But <laughs> so I'm I, not a I fan only like Okja hot dogs. Yeah. Oh. They're so no. they're so processed. I mean, they taste good. They're, they're comfort food. But yeah. So okay, well that um was a I think a great discussion. Um I and I yeah I think we'll have it again after the 250 and um and seeing I, I do love seeing some of the like director lists like I forget his name but the guy that directed RRR like uh his list was just so make it made sense actually <laughs> but mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. different. But anyway, so we have a couple months that we have missed uh, uh and well I shouldn't say missed they haven't actually happened yet. But the announcements we've missed uh, talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, and in fact, I'm looking at the list now. I don't know if any of these are on the Sight and Sound. Uh, so we're, we're starting with February 2023 with three colors. Um, was red or anything on the list? I don't remember. Uh, was there any Kislowski? Uh, the, I, Decalogue? Um, Maybe the Decalogue, maybe. That's the thing. We've had like okay. two months with the list. I, 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 yeah, I almost I, had it memorized. I don't, th- I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, we have any. I don't think Kislowski. so. Man, fuck this list. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Get rid of it. Start again. Well, red is in my top 10, but that's kind of a cheat because I, it's really representing the um, all three. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, the Three Colors trilogy is uh, the first release of um, of February, February 7th. So blue the first Criterion 4K box set and the first Criterion 4K box set upgrade. It, wow, coming with facts, yeah. Um, I was going to say you did your research. <laughs> uh, that is that is not research. That is just how messed up my brain is. That when I saw that announcement, <laughs> like, oh, those things, those are facts about this. Is that true about the box set? Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There are not a lot. Oh, I guess there are. I, I'm looking at my shelf here. I have tons of 4K box sets, but none from Criterion. And as excited as I am for three colors in, in 4K, I don't know, I'm that weirdo. And I probably, Aaron, you've probably already gone through this and probably a lot of listeners that have been buying Criterions for a long time and have been buying DVDs. Granted, I've been buying Criterions for what, like over 10 years now, mm-hmm. but I only would buy the Blu-rays because I didn't want to buy a DVD only to have to upgrade sure. it later to Blu-ray. Now that I'm going through the, oh, now it's out in 4K, I got to buy it again. I'm like, oh, couldn't we have done something else in 4K? But I'm really happy about that release, and I'm excited to see uh, how wonderful it looks in uh, in 4K on my TV because these are all great films. Yeah, I'm not. I have not been rebuying a lot, just a couple. Um, so I, mm-hmm. but this one, you are more. Um, you have better self control and willpower <laughs> than I do. Clearly, I'm well, having I... to cherry pick some. I mean, I have a lot of DVDs. You know, especially when you're talking mm-hmm. about like classic Hollywood stuff like you know a lot of them only come out on dvd so i've like now if it comes out on 4k or if it's been like a long time um some of my discs i worry about disc rot and Mm -hmm. a lot of them are like Mm -hmm. you know dvdrs you know so like yeah if if a blu-ray comes out of that i'm i'm probably gonna upgrade it i've been very selectively upgrading 4k um Mm -hmm. but yeah especially and if Again, it comes I, with a with a blu-ray disc you know because i only have one 4k player and all my 
family only has Blu-ray. So it's like, right. I'm, I'm trying to be very selective on that. I again, commend your, uh, <laughs> your self-control there <laughs> and I'll, I'll admit because because uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know i own every criterion blu-ray i don't own every dvd and i Same. own every criterion 4k at this point but uh i i tend to wait a little bit longer to upgrade the 4ks and typically mm -hmm. pick them up at like a barnes and noble sale or a uh or a flash sale which probably will cover some of these anyways so that's uh so I guess it's not too much of a time ex or uh, an expense, but I tend to buy them as they come out just so I can keep up to date and always have them on my shelf. Yeah, I, I guess wow. if, if I don't want to revisit the film right away, I won't. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe if I see a sale, maybe I will. I um, Like, for example, Le, Le Circle Rouge uh, from Melville. I, like, I really like the film, but I don't want to watch it right now. Um, and actually, I don't know if there's going to be a Barnes Noble sale again. We'll yeah, we don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, but I think so. I'm I'm definitely buying the Three Colors trilogy because this is you know obviously it's my top ten of all time. I love this, um, and I think the I've actually done some comparisons, a little nerding out is and looking at the Blu-ray compared to the 4K on my 4K player, and honestly, I don't see a lot of difference. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's just me. I don't have the best eyesight. So maybe it's it's not a very appreciable difference, but the, but yeah, this is such a beautiful trilogy, especially especially red and, and blue actually, that I can't help but rebuy it. So um, but yeah, if it if it was arsenic and old lace, I would not. Um, you know, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, I'd say maybe. I, I'm just going to go on record here and say that I do like arsenic and old lace, but I'm not going to start up. Get there. out of this podcast. <laughs> oh man, a lot of people do. It's okay. No, like we are no, I am definitely in the minority on that and I won't get into it, but I mean I bought the damn thing. I, there you, you know, go. I did too. Yeah. And, and it's it's the not to belabor that, but it's the the staginess, the theatrical, but really um It's Capra. It's, it's Capra. It's Capra, you're it's right. It's fucking Capra. I'm banging my fist on the table. And and it's Capra. He has no business directing that movie. It should have been mm -hmm. anyone but him. Oh, when McBride did not like when I talked about Capra, because <laughs> I like Capra, okay, but I do not, too. Not all of his films, not that one for sure. That one does not work. Most Lars von Trier's Arsenic and Old Lace. There we go. <laughs> I, that shit. Actually, I, yeah. I don't know, man. That might work. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be be a, a, a NC seventeen rating probably. Hey, and when you know that they wanted Bob Hope, for yeah. It, it it makes you go, huh? That Not that I'm like a huge Bob Hope fan, but I think it would have been better. And if they yeah. actually could have had Boris Karloff playing you know, mm -hmm. and not Raymond Massey, that also would have been better. I, I can't help but think, and we're completely off track here, I can't help but think that if Boris Karloff actually played the part in the movie, that the joke would have worn out its welcome by That's now. That's possible, yeah. That's true. But I mean, he was he he was in the stage play. I mean, I know, that was which the is whole hilarious. reason why <laughs> it's the hilarious. joke's there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, and yeah, I mean, I, I was in a production of it in, in high school, and like, obviously, Boris Karloff, Karloff's dead and he can't you, play in you every version. You didn't get Boris Karloff for that? Uh, we couldn't get him. It was, it, <laughs> we tried. We tried. Um, but it was like, oh, this was very, that's very much a then joke. And yeah. like, you're making this movie like while it's on, like, 
Mm-hmm. It's like, man, they should have at least gotten rid of the gag. Should have, yeah, ditched the gag if you can't have him because that's the whole reason why the gag was there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I sorry, I digress. No, no. Harry Grant, a, he donated all of his. He hated it. He hated making it. He thought he was awful <laughs> at it. I agree with him, and he was a an angel because he donated his entire salary to the Red Cross uh, for war relief. So bless Carrie mm-hmm. for that. So I that's why I bought the movie because I said, you know what? He saved lives. Yeah. Literally. No, good good reason. Now um I, I wanted to make a Bella Lugosi's dead joke when you said Boris Carlos dead, but no, it wouldn't work. <laughs> so all right, well let's move on. And um uh, we're gonna have some thoughts on this. So yes. um Franco Zeffirelli. I mm. he is not invited to well, he's dead too. Um but he's not invited to any dinner parties of mine. Um, I, I don't know if he's an okay guy. We'll get into that. No, he was not an okay guy. That's what I thought. So Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet is coming to Criterion. I believe coming to Criterion. I don't. We're going to talk about some stuff that maybe some people might speculate that they had changed their mind, but I don't think so. I think it's coming February fourteenth, twenty twenty three. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, of course, I think probably all of us know the Shakespeare story. Uh, a lot of people have seen the film. Uh, it looks, I, I think the film's interesting. I saw it when, when, when I was a kid. So I'm, I'm, I do, I will buy, buy this and watch it again as, as an adult and see if it holds up. I will cringe a couple times. I, I guarantee that. Um, but it is a new 4K uh, restoration, not 4K disc, just restoration. Um, has a documentary about Franco Zeffirelli. I guess I'm not as excited about that, but, um, and then interviews with Olivia Hussey and Leonard Whiting, huh? From 1967 and 2016. So with that, all that said, uh, just this week, there was a, um, a a lawsuit filed, I think by those two individuals, right? Mm -hmm. And they said against uh, Paramount. Against uh, Paramount. Uh, was it a hundred million or five hundred million? So I've seen separate reports. So and I so I'm not quite sure what the deal is, but but the breaking news that came out, I think it was IndieWire and a couple others said five hundred million. Yeah. But then I saw some other articles that said one hundred. So I'm I'm not quite sure what's what. And the accusation is uh, it's it's interesting. It's strange that it's coming. Now, now I, I, maybe it has to do with uh, Zeffirelli's death. I don't know, yeah, why they would wait so long. Um, not not victim blaming. You know, if, if they believe that they were um, mistreated, I, I you know I, I will would listen to them and believe them. Uh, but you know, I, I can't really speculate as far as like a legal ruling. Um, but they are suing Paramount because they they say that they um, were misled into doing nude scenes when they uh, were told otherwise. Um, I actually didn't disbelieve it when I read this, the you know the the premise of the lawsuit. Um, I could see Zeffirelli doing that, uh, be, but uh, I think he did it later as well. So yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? I think that uh, they probably were completely misled, but I also think that that was probably something that happened a lot in that time period, and that does not make it okay. Um, you would assume that they would have come forward sooner, but I don't think that we had the right climate for that or Mm. the culture for that i don't know it seems a little strange to be this much time later but um if if they were misled 
then that was wrong. But I don't know. I think we kind of sometimes need to separate the art from the artist. And I think that we can still appreciate films, even if there were some bad things that occurred during the making of it. And I'm sure that there are plenty of bad things that happened during the making of plenty of films that everyone loves that they just don't know about. I don't know. It's definitely controversial. And I think that it's very important that people know about things that happened maybe when films were made, even if they are great, just that they can keep that in mind. You can still it, you can still enjoy it even if something bad happened while it was being made. But I think it's just important to kind of keep that within context. Yeah. yeah. If, if we don't separate artists art from artists, um, we're not watching any movies. We're get, watching a, a Mr. Rogers box set. 24-7, right. pretty much. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Mr. Rogers. No. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I I have some thoughts, and I'm going to – so I will admit that I am embarrassed of my gut reaction to this, um, which both of you kind of saw play out in a in a, a message we had going. Um, and, I, and you could totally blame that on, you know – my own internalized misogyny of years of dealing, you know, of having to accept shitty behavior or whatever. So there, you know, my, my first, my gut reaction was, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, this is over 50 years later, this is a cash grab. And, um, I stopped and I thought about it and kind of marinated on it. I've seen this movie. I saw it when I was a freshman in high school in English class. And I think I was the only person in America that was not shown this movie <laughs> in their freshman year yeah. of high school. I mean, and it, you know, I went to a Catholic high school, which, you know, you can, you know, you can, you can really break some weird shit down there. Um, Zeffirelli was an absolute pervert. Um, he, Jonathan Shake, I think that's how you said his last name, Shek, um, came out in. 2018 and said that Zeffirelli molested him mm. um and there were other uh people who came out and accused him of abuse so i don't doubt for a minute that he you know misled and coerced them to do that scene um olivia hussey i believe was 15 um Whiting was 16, I believe. So definitely underage. Um, and even if they weren't underage, you know, uh, lying to them, coercing even someone who is of, of age to make consent, you know, is also a problem. Um, I, I will say, you know, they, they had defended that scene. Um, even as recently as I think 2018, but also Zeffirelli was still alive and maybe right. there was fear of some sort of retaliation. Um, so I don't think there's necessarily, I th I do think the timing is interesting. Um, but I also don't believe there should be a time limit on accusers coming out because I agree. Yeah. You know, think, you know, maybe they didn't feel safe to I, I but where where i have a hard time with this is in into in two different spaces here is the amount of if it is 500 million dollars holy shit yeah and i and i do worry um that the impact that could have 
because uh, this is they're able to come forward because of the California law. So I do worry uh, that the impact of that could could negatively affect um, other survivors of abuse coming forward mm-hmm. um, if it you know is seen as oh wow this is an outrageous amount of money so that's that's my concern number one um, concern number two as Dave had kind of mentioned is um, there's a lot of fucked up shit um, in a lot of movies um, and so I go okay what does this mean in terms of you know any pretty much anything that was made uh ever um i mean does this mean that like all of the 1980s like teen sex comedies what happens with that like not that i'm like we we must preserve revenge of the nerds but like you know like (laughs) where where do we go from here what does this mean like are they because they're not only are they saying that they were misled and coerced but they're saying that this that they're accusing paramount of like peddling child pornography mm-hmm. so you know what do we do about that like i don't know what the answer is do mm-hmm. do we alter it so that the you know do they go in and digitally alter it i mean so and then you get into conversations about censoring art and right. so right. i and i don't know what the answer is to that but i'm sitting here going okay if shirley temple black were still alive and in the current climate of me too would she go oh my god i made all of these movies as a child with a dress that was above my my underwear with old men leering at me while i'm dancing on a table and i'm literally four years old like mm-hmm. what what do we do about all of this like really shady shit that was made in a different era? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the answer is to that. And also in 1968, you know, not that it's right. It was never right. But in 1968, a 15 or 16 year old was definitely treated like an adult. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't make what happened then. Right. But like the climate was definitely different. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm I'm just looking. Uh, it looks like Bruce Robinson. Or, yeah, Bruce Robinson from, you know, famous for With Mill and I, of course, in the mm-hmm. Criterion Collection. He accused Zeffirelli. Uh, and that came out in 2007, it looks like. Yeah. I could be wrong. And Zeffirelli died in 2019, I think. 2019, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, one thing I, I'm glad you brought up the '80s comedies because, uh, you know, for example, John Hughes is very, more than canceled. We know now that he was, you know, he ha- he was also a pervert. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, but I I liked how um, Criterion handled the Breakfast Club and some of those issues, but with Molly Ringwald, and we've talked about this before. Right. How she she talked about how she explained it to her daughter. It was really really um really good context. Um, and I, I think it is important to have that context. Um, to not not uh, just make a justification that what this behavior was okay or part of the time, but just you know the just I know guess, that it yeah. So yeah, I, I guess what I'm glad you brought that up because, and again, I'm I don't want to fault um, um, Wilding and and Hussey for this. Mm-hmm. Of course not. But I I do like how Molly Ringwald handled it and Brooke Shields has handled it. And even like Sarah Polly, which we're not this, that's not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not sexual abuse, but she was definitely put in danger. And so 
and and again, I don't want to criticize anyone's um, method for coming out about something. And mm-hmm. but again, I don't, I don't, I I do worry that this large sum of money, number one, is not going to get them what they think it's going to get them, and and I and I I fear that it's going to be thrown out, and I do fear the impact that it will have on other other victims and that's yeah, the, the number is the is number crazy is high. astonishingly yeah. high and, and it might just be that high to get more press but but to your point there if it gets thrown out then it kind of delegitimizes right and so i would i would would be interested to know what else are they asking for or because if they were asking for i don't want this film to circulate anymore which mm-hmm. yeah again that's another that's a whole other conversation then i would go okay that makes sense because if you're saying that this is child pornography which again we could debate that um you know and you're saying this should no longer circulate okay I get it. I get why you're saying that. If you're saying this caused me great, this, this traumatized me. Mm -hmm. And only now am I realizing that this should have never happened. Like where were the adults when this was, when this was being made then. Okay. But then when I see this like $500 million, I'm going, you know, like what I don't like where my mind goes when I hear that. And and maybe that's my problem. You know, maybe that's not there. Maybe it's my problem. I'm trying to be as open-minded about this as I can. It's just a very, very difficult, tricky, sticky situation is all this, I'm saying. This one especially <laughs> is, yeah, one of the tougher ones. Um, You know, one, one thing wouldn't surprise me. Now, of course, we don't know how, how they got the rights to this. If they're negotiating with Seferelli's estate and, you know, um, who probably doesn't want um, a supplement about how Seferelli was a pervert. Um, but who knows Uh, i wouldn't be surprised if they pulled this temporarily and um you know maybe put it out in like may or something and added a a supplement that might um explain that Uh, but of course with the legal you know with legal action i mean this is not the first time that they've released something that has pretty serious uh you know social political consequences you know mm-hmm. and I, I was just thinking too about like you know when they rushed out blue is the warmest color right right and then right. and then all of the shit that came out about you know um what was going on on the set there you know um uh was it leah who said leah Sado? Like, yeah I, yeah I, that it i was think both like, of them yeah. yeah both of them what they were put through mm-hmm. and you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's really tough. And I will say that, I mean, when I was a kid watching that, you know, again, I was a freshman in high school. This was early nineties. Um, you know, they seem so old to me, I know. right? But I they know. were, but she's my, I was 15 years old mm-hmm. watching that and she's 15 years old, but because it's, you know, it was an old movie and because I knew that Olivia Hussey was a was a grown ass woman now, right. you're watching that and you don't you don't connect the dots. And also, like when you're 15, you don't at least then it wasn't un, 
you know, people were having sex at 15 and 16 years old. I mean, I think they still are having sex at 15, 16 years old. So it didn't feel like gross at the time. Maybe now if I watched it, you know, I haven't watched it since 1994, 1995, you know, maybe if I watched it now, I'd be like, fuck, this is weird. (laughs) Well, if it comes, if, you know, if if they don't change the release date, if it comes out in February, I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to, yeah, with an open mind. And, you know, I, I I compare this a lot to, not a lot, but a little bit to the Maria Schneider, uh, you know, last tango uh, in Paris situation. And when you talked about taking it out of circulation, I kind of have a feeling, it feels like Last Tango has been taken out of circulation. It I'm, has. I, I don't want to say use the word canceled, but, um, but you know, as a, as a movie, you know, like not knowing the circumstances of what happened, you could see that that being like a viable Criterion movie. Yeah, um, they, so. so when that happened, Filmstruck was up and running and they, so they pulled the Bertolucci films, um, but they put them right back. So mm-hmm. what they did, um, so they pulled them all off. And then like one of the other writers um, in my little pod went off and like sent this, like, which this person had a tendency to like overreact and like had no chill. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but sent this email and it was like, how dare, <laughs> and just showed their ass Sure. And and then our editor came back and was like, okay, calm down. <laughs> we pulled them long enough to contextualize them. So they put them right back up. Um so it response. was yeah. it was it was long enough to and yeah, was it because they didn't want, you know, it was the right thing to do, yes, but it was also like you know a press thing like a media mm-hmm. thing like you've got to take it so they pulled them down long enough to write up some shit you know on the landing page and uh i don't think they, i don't know if they added an intro they may have they may have recorded an intro for it but they threw those movies right back up so you know maybe that's what has to happen here but if it's an active legal situation yeah you know they may have no choice but to at at the very least pause it until there's some sort of resolution. I have a feeling that what will probably happen is this will be settled out of court. Yeah, that's usually um, what happens. And, yeah. and and then there will be some concession made. But I, I have a feeling that it's either going to end in, well, one of three things. There will be some kind of financial settlement and the parties involved will be satisfied with that. They will request or they will request that alterations be made or Mm -hmm. they will request that it's pulled from circulation. And I don't think alterations would be made. And so I think you either have a financial settlement, the film still comes out or the film does not come out. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, this is breaking news. We're recording this, uh, you know, just a couple days since that news broke. Of course, when this episode comes down, it might be resolved already. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. Well, and one thing, you know, Bertolucci, I don't want to bl- go down that road too far off. But yeah, uh, you know, you don't want to pull the conformist or the last emperor where, right. think, you know, good films, good to great films, um, just because of a situation. And on again, film. this yeah. shit went on all the time. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, actors were coerced into things. They were, they were, I mean, awful 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 stuff happened stuff that we don't even Mm -hmm. know about 
And that doesn't make it right, but it doesn't negate its existence either. And so it's all about contextualizing and our modern sensibilities today. I mean, again, it doesn't make mean that it was all fine and dandy then, but you have to go, wait a minute, what we talk about today, that was not in the conversation then exactly so you know i it's and this is this is what i constantly i mean all of us have to navigate anytime we watch pretty much any movie <laughs> um especially ones before a certain date when you have just rampant sexism and racism and homophobia and 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 you're not making excuses but you definitely have to kind of compartmentalize your brain a little bit and go okay this is this is what's going on we're constantly having to make those uh little uh, compromises when we're watching film so you know yeah, and frankly i i can't wait to see babylon which is not part part of, it's not that's a different yeah. kind of situation than this but you know i think people will be really surprised when they see how crazy uh classic hollywood pre-code classic hollywood especially right. was you know these yeah um, Perverts weren't invented and in, um, or didn't they didn't just come no. arise in the 60s and 70s. They've been around for millenniums. So, right. all right, well, let's move on. I, I know that was a, <laughs> that was a toughie. Uh, this one, I think, um, you know, I think I know where you're going to go with this, Jill. So <laughs> coming out on February 21st, 2023, we have another Blu-ray uh, upgrade to 4K, which is Richard Linklater's Days and Confused which Woo! is one of my favorites. Uh, I think uh, it's a very popular film, very easy to watch uh, and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's getting the 4K treatment. I, I don't, don't think, same with um, Three Colors. I don't think there's anything new on this, which yeah. again, I, I wish they would, you know, just as a carrot to, to just throw something on there that um, wasn't on the old ones. But I'm still buying it. This one, I, I would not hesitate. I'm rebuying this. I don't care if it's only like, 2% better than the last one. I just love this film. Yeah. Look for any excuse to watch it. So <laughs> sorry about the dog. Yeah, I don't one. I don't know what you could possibly make better with this movie on 4K, <laughs> but like I'm going to buy it. You know, like yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah. I love this movie so much. I get older, the movie stays the same age. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, seeing that ketchup and mustard in 4K that Parker Posey <laughs> oh, squirts all over the, the rising freshman. She's yeah, so I good. Mean, she's so good uh, in that movie. I mean, great. she's always good. I, I love her. that She went from that to, you know, Indie Starlet to uh, Christopher Guest. She's great. Mm -hmm. Dave, are you a fan? I do like the movie. I've only seen it once, though. I don't know. I don't have any sort of like nostalgia for it. I never watched it when I was young. The first time I saw it was actually on my Criterion Blu-ray. Oh my god! It's just one of those movies that I somehow missed growing up. Wow! And it's and it's good. It's a fun movie, and I will buy the 4K eventually. But I'm not chomping at the bit to get it yeah. like you guys are. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, and I think this is going to be a huge release for them. Um, I mean, Criterion admittedly it was a little bit late to the 4k game compared to a lot of other boutique yeah. labels so it's very important for them to start upgrading some of the uh bigger titles in their catalog and this mm -hmm. is a good one and it's probably going to get a lot of attention and will make a lot of people happy so i'm not going to complain about that yeah it's just a fun movie and i will tell you that it gets better on yes, the repeat viewing. it does so like if you that. enjoyed it the first like or even if you didn't like it it's just 
it takes a minute because it's really not about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it, I mean, yeah, they're, it, it's just vibes. It's, yeah. It's, that's a great way to put it. It's vibes. So like, if you can just, um, and that's kind of how I felt about like, you know, the uh, Peter Jackson, like get back. And like, mm-hmm. it's a, I always, I compared it to Days and Confused. Cause you're just like hanging out with these people for a little bit, you know? So like you, you, uh, you get immersed in their world. So it's not really about anything per se, just, it's just about, getting older and and mm-hmm. being a teenager yeah, and fucking around yeah. and yeah coming of age so so i i love to you know i'd love to go visit randall pink floyd and and the gang probably twice a year i would say wow. yeah yeah and I, I love it too and um you know i i may or may not have smoked pot by a water tower <laughs> in the summer but but i think i think you know anybody that's it's had a you know a childhood like that where they went and partied and really who didn't, you know, I shouldn't say who did. I'm sure there are some people that didn't, but I did. <laughs> and it I had just a... reminds me of, of, of that time. It which, does. Yeah. I mean, it just reminds me of, of the, fr- my friends in high school and, mm-hmm. and it came out when, when I was a teenager and it was such a big deal. And um, yeah. And last year, or maybe the year before, I, I read the oral history. It was called oh, all, yeah. all Right, All Right, All Right, of course. And, well, fascinating book. I recommend it. Uh, some shit happened on that set that <laughs> surprised me. Frankly, probably shit happened on every set. But that one especially, well, you get a lot of kids for, uh, I don't know, 12 weeks. I'm, I forget how long the shoot was. They're going to do some things together. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jill, I think we might have – this might be an occasion to uh, – do a special episode that oh i think we absolutely have to do a dazed episode yeah for sure and have a guest in mind um no it's not matthew mcconaughey i, I don't don't know if we can get him but um i don't think we can get him uh but yeah we'll look for that uh maybe this is february 21st yeah stay tuned folks so yeah i guess um next one is uh two films by marguerite duras is it Dross or Draw? I guess Draw, probably, right? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's February 28th, uh, 2023. Uh, I have to say that now because I'm I'm still in that <laughs> signing things as 22. Getting out of- I'm still signing things as 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, mentally, I definitely have not left 2020 for sure. <laughs> it's, it's what, April 2020 now, right? Yeah, that's about that. <laughs> <laughs> about to go into 2020 summer um i don't know if a lot of people know marguerite duras uh, she's not known just as a filmmaker i think she's actually known less as a filmmaker um she's kind of a a renaissance woman from france did a lot of things very creative but you know she's known for her writing um very influential on the french new wave and participated um i didn't look it up but i think she wrote um hiroshima mon Amour. am i right about that Oh, um, I, I, it, hmm. I could be wrong, but two, there are ways to figure this out. Two films. I have not seen these, but I've, I've studied her a little bit um, in, in the context of, you know, that that time in French creative history. But these are um, India Song and Baxter, Vera, Vera Baxter. So I know very little about these. They're they're in the 70s. So a good bit after the new wave, of course. And she, she got us. I think she made her first film around like. I want to say mid 60s. I, I could be wrong, but um, but that's where she started her film career. 
And um, and yeah, so I don't have a lot to say about this, um, except for I think Marguerite Dura is interesting, and I look forward to exploring these uh, films about her or from her, and then of course the supplements about her. So, um, what about what about y'all? I this I don't I don't even know what this is. So <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna be quiet. Um, you got nothing. I got, got no- I got absolutely nothing. Yeah, I've not heard of her. I've heard of Marguerite Duras before, and she did write uh, Hiroshima Matamor. I've never heard of these films, and this is kind of what I love about Criterion is uh, getting to discover movies that I would have not have heard of be- ever before and get to see. Yeah, and right. um, yeah, so Marguerite Duras, I'm, and kind of like what we were talking about with Sight and Sound, you know, they they do introduce people people to us, and having studied her a little bit, um, I guess more than the most on this call. Um, I, I think she's worthy of um, that exploration. And I'm actually looking forward to, um, there's a documentary. Uh, well, actually, it's a documentary on Delphine Seerich, actually. Speaking of um, Jean Dillman, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll look at that in February. And then last of February, we have um, Robert Townsend, who I think yes. we know Robert Townsend. And Hollywood Shuffle. I'm actually really excited Ooh, about this. This is... This is... A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen seen it? Oh yeah. You want to talk about it? It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's, just it's, great. It, it's a lot of fun. And I'm very, very, very excited. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. And um yeah, it's gonna be great. That's what yeah. I've got. I think this came out in the <laughs> 87. I, I think I can't remember if I saw it. I mean, I remember it coming out. And I remember it was, you know, it, was, it, it didn't feel like one of the classic films. I think it still doesn't. It's a, a fun movie, it seems like. Um, but yeah, can't wait to watch it. Um, and I think Robert Townsend, I think this is his first title in the collection. And he's an interesting guy, too. So mm-hmm. have you seen it, Dave? I have not seen it. I had not heard of it before this announcement, so I'm excited to check it out. Same as same as the last one. <laughs> yeah. Again, get to find things that I otherwise would not have seen. Yes, and this is his first, uh, and there's a new audio commentary with Townsend. That's great. Um, even though I've, I've said before I like uh, commentaries um, from around the time the films came out, I still like new ones, too. Mm-hmm. And some interviews. Uh, there's a, a radio program with Townsend and Elvis Mitchell. Hmm. I, Radio program. I don't know what they mean. Um, maybe it's like an NPR kind of thing. Uh, yeah, maybe. Or yeah, another... I'm sure that's what that is. Yeah, but no, it's this is just a. I would this would make a great double feature with um, bamboozled. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Is this uh, this is funnier than ban- well? I mean, oh, ban- <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But just in terms of, of, yeah, or maybe um, I'm trying to think of something else. It's it's just a, and when this came out too, um, is significant because of uh, of the kind of uh, Eddie Murphy. You know, it, even in the description of this, it talks about you know Eddie Murphy types, right? Right, and you know, as we know even today like uh casting black people there's a lot of stereotypes but mm-hmm. if you look at the history of of film you know there's all unfortunately there are these stereotypical characters that that get written for black actors and so this really takes aim at that and um yeah 
Interesting. It's good. Yeah. It's good. No, I could definitely see that because, you know, in the 80s. Here's yeah, what was... I found. <laughs> hey, Siri. Hey, so Siri just got activated. Um, I thought I was the guest this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I Eddie Murphy, I, this is probably around like the golden child time. So like when he was making bad movies, although he did make Coming to America. Right. But yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, Cosby was on TV. You know, of course, Cosby. Well, you know, he was not who we thought he was. No, but, but this uh, this was definitely if you if you take it when it was being made, of course it's it's very prescient to today. But mm -hmm. if you look at the era, you get Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Bill Cosby. Uh, it's definitely um, yeah, it's mm. it's good, very and uh, very much ahead of its time. Interesting. Well, I can't wait. Anything else, Dave, on Hollywood Shuffle or? I have nothing else to add. <laughs> You're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Marguerite Draw, Hollywood Shuffle. All right, so we have the um, February titles wrapped up. Um, what's interesting is there are like a lot of February titles, but not many for March. And I wonder if that's just kind of how the weeks uh, are, you know, how the calendar mm -hmm. plays out. But yeah, only four titles for March. And um, and yeah, on on the topic of 4K upgrades that we might want or might not want, uh, we have uh, Mildred Pierce. Uh, from uh, 1945. This is a 4K upgrade, and I want to say that the Blu-ray didn't come out too long ago. I... No, this is probably a very. This is definitely a very short period of time between the uh, the Blu-ray and the 4K release. Yeah, maybe. But five I'm years. all for more film noir mm -hmm. in in 4K. I love the. I love seeing that high contrast black and white in a, in a, that, <laughs> in that. HDR 4K. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if this is an HDR release, but mm -hmm. it is easy enough to find out. It is a oh wait, yep, yep HDR. It is, yep. Uh, so you're buying it? I've already pre-ordered it. Apparently, I was checking out the Criterion website, and I took advantage of their uh, holiday yeah. sale early. Great. So mm. it will be mine uh, on March 28th when they shipped everything all at once. Oh right, right. Yeah, they, they do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it. I, I like the movie, but uh, I don't. Yeah. I just don't it, kind of the same thing. I, I I will watch this again someday in my life, but I'm not ready to right now. Um, what about you, Jill? So this is a favorite and it's every mother's nightmare. Mm, yeah. And um, boy, I have the Blu-ray and I had the DVD. Um, I, I might. Does it come with the blue? Yeah, it comes with Blu-ray. It too. does. Yeah, I'm I might um, because I do. This is one I do watch over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I might, but I may wait a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, Maybe. it's a, it's a really good noir and um, great performances. Of course, Joan Crawford um, and also Anne Blythe, uh, I think, is really good as well. And she's still with us. So yeah, yeah, she was pretty young for this film. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess yeah. Wow, that is weird uh, to think about 1945. Maybe we can get her as a guest, Jill. Oh my God! I I mean I actually <laughs> cool. yeah. I have a I have a connection, but. Uh, maybe maybe tricky but you yeah. know, you never know i mean she's probably up there but um but anyway yeah it's i i, I will someday buy this but maybe not in march uh okay well then the next one is uh it was kind of a surprise I, I don't think we've had any rumors for this but uh it's john woo's uh, last hurrah for chivalry and jill i'm guessing just because we did that kung fu episode uh and i remember what you contributed mm -hmm. You contributed a lot, but you had not contributed much of experience yeah. watching these kind of no, types of films. So this is new. This would be new to me. So yeah. I will sit back and let you two discuss. 
Well, Dave, uh, I'm sure you, you're a John Woo fan or you've seen a number of his films. I, I've seen a few of his films. I've actually not seen very many. And this would be the only one of, I've not seen this yet. And this will be the first of his that I've seen that is not like the, uh, the, the, the more modern action bullet mm-hmm. kung fu, like uh, bullet ballet, whatever they would call those things. So this should be interesting. It was definitely a surprise for me. And it's an earlier film of his than I've seen. And I know that a lot of people were pointing out that I think it was Eureka released this as part of a box set or a two pack or something yeah. recently. So there was some disappointment here with this. But uh, I, I love the the color, the, excuse me, the cover here, the Tony, Tony Stelly. Yeah, I'm tripping over all of my words today. I love the cover here. I love the Tony Stella artwork. So uh, I'm excited to check this out and do love a good uh, Kung Fu Wuxiao film. So this will be uh, this will be fun. What's funny is I have a stack of Blu-rays right next to my um, my recording station and um, have the Eureka Last Raw for Chivalry right yeah. here. Didn't know I had it, <laughs> but I actually had this for the recording of the Kung Fu episode. Ah. With, and and I, I see here that um, the uh, we have a new interview with Grady Hendrix, who uh, was our guest for that, one of our guests for yeah, that episode. He's, he's so awesome. He's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we could get him back. And talk oh, to him that'd again. be great. But um, but yeah. So I guess I'm. Do you want to buy a a Eureka, John Woo double feature? <laughs> um. So so the film's good then, right, Dave? You recommend I, it? I've never seen it. Oh, I, no, I miss misheard yeah, you. Yeah, okay. he said he is the one he hasn't seen. Sorry, I'm thinking opposites. So that's okay. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I agree. Uh, the cover is remarkable. Uh, we know Tony from social Tony. media, yep. and I, I wanted to actually get him on the show too. So maybe, maybe yeah. Make I, that as soon as I saw the cover, I went, "Oh, Tony Stella did this mm-hmm. immediately." Such a distinctive style, um, and he's such a his work is amazing. So really is, yeah. And I actually got to, got to compliment him. He was very appreciative. I'm sure he heard from a lot of people, but yeah, love a uh, more Tony Stella to... go Criterion cover. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I need. He did a he did a set of um for um uh, for Mifuni's 100th of from uh, Throne mm. of Blood. Did a awesome watercolor, and then did one of kurosawa as well it was like a pair and then he also has a bunch of um watercolors he did of colombo so like interesting (laughs) and i want to i want to buy them but you know they're pricey as they should be sure um but one of i'm thinking about i think i'm thinking about pulling the trigger on Maybe the Mifuni one because it's mm. so good. Oh, that would, so that good. would that, I would hang Mifuni uh, watercolor in my house, no question. So okay, well uh, we have two more. Yeah, light month, uh, but this is a pretty big title, and uh, it's this guy named David Lynch. You may have heard of him. Uh, mm, I don't know. He, Maybe. he plays a monkey. Um, he really does play a monkey. <laughs> he Cruz. really does play a monkey who says, <laughs> you can burn in hell. Yeah. Uh, good I old love Jack this Cruz. man. Uh, uh, David Lynch, Inland Empire, coming out March 21st. We knew this was coming out because it was a Janus tour. And yeah. um, and it looks like um, David Lynch you know, is getting the ho- hopefully 100% treatment. Uh, we'll see about Dune. Um, there's some something we ha- probably won't have time to talk about, but you know, you never know. But this one is interesting because, you know, I, I watched this in theaters when it came out. I don't remember a thing. <laughs> um, it's one of those kind of kind of like Lost Highway. I didn't remember that one very well. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really it felt like almost a fir- first time watching it. But um, 
but you know, it, it was a very lo-fi uh, or low, uh, low uh, uh, resolution shoot, I guess you mm -hmm. could say. Um, I can't remember how they shot it. I can't remember if it's like video or something. It was all, and it's all shot on uh, what what were those called? DV tape. Oh, right. Yeah, and I remember because this is DV. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Which is this what came out... uh, Spike Lee did with Bamboozled, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. For, for I the... think that I think that Lynch uses slightly higher end camera. I think that for Bamboozled, Spike Lee was just using like consumer grade because yeah. mm -hmm. it was just easy to pick them up. But for this, it stuck out. It came out when I was a freshman in college, when I was going to film school. Full disclosure, I have not actually seen the movie yet. I've been saving it so that I wow. have one Lynch left that I could watch for the first time. Love but it. he filmed the entire film on the same DV cameras that they let the freshmen use at Drexel to, you know, get used to shooting and lighting. So that's like the, the lowest grade of professional DV camera mm -hmm. that was available. So I thought that was very interesting. And I also find it very interesting that this has had so many different... Uh, remasters because it was upgraded to hd once and then put onto dvd and put into theaters printed on film mm -hmm. scanned from film now it's been upgraded to 4k using ai from the original dv tapes and now for this blu-ray it has been descaled down from the 4k ai thing back to the standard 1080p so uh, yeah, i think it was very curious to see how it looks it was xeroxed in, in between i don't know i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna say that if, put on it cassette tape off, it was taped <laughs> off the radio they put a piece of scotch tape over the little hole on the cassette and taped over that it, they actually set up a film camera while playing it on a TV. <laughs> Off of Betamax. <laughs> yes. And, and then finally, of course, David Lynch, uh, iPhone recording as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I remember the, the quality was not um, great when I saw it. And that was part of the point. Um, and right. I, I watched the trailer and I, I, you know, we've kind of joked that, like, you know, this couldn't be a 4K. And I don't mean UHD, but actual actual 4K. Like, what would you gain? But I, I watched the trailer and it looked a lot. It looked actually pretty good. So I'm very curious yeah. how this will look. Um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people have been getting, you know, kind of uptight about about what has been done here. But I think with Lynch involved, you know, and you and I've even seen comparisons that this is tinkering like a George Lucas, and I I think that's unfair. Mm -hmm. I think that's unfair. I think it's always unfair. unfair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this with a number of filmmakers, but well, actually, we got to talk to Sean Baker, you know, right. specifically about this. And right. he made the changes. Now, I, I'm not going to say David Lynch didn't have the resources. He certainly did in 2006. But, um, you know, it's his movie. It's fine. <laughs> so, right. And it's, and it's not like they're actually changing, no. like, the content right. of the film. Right. 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 They're yeah, they're just changing the look, the the quality. I guess and, the and, quality. and if it's and if it keeps, but if it keeps the film available, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you're utilizing, you're not changing the content of the film. You're not altering the shots, right? You know, you're not. This is not like a pan and scan situation. We're talking about, oof, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, how do I want to say this? Converting the film mm -hmm. to a more durable format. Yeah, that's a, a and having talked to, to filmmakers about uh, you know how to maintain their library, you know it, it makes sense. And I, I'm not going right. to say that David Lynch's library is at risk, but this movie, you know, it's it's a little different than his right. others. So and um, and a lot and if you look at the early digital stuff, I mean, yeah, it wasn't great. 
No, you no. Know? It's so, crazy because digital now is, you know, sometimes you can barely tell. Right. Mm-hmm. Some really good supplements too. Of course, they're going to, you know, it's a two disc Blu-ray. They're, they're going to do, um, go to town for Lynch if they can. Sometimes his releases have been uh, pretty sparse, but um, yeah, there's some short films. One thing that's I'm looking forward to is the new conversation with Laura Dern and yes. Kyle McLaughlin. And I, I saw him in the closet and he, and then he said, or the, the, the Polaroid speaking of old, old formats. Um, and he said, Oh no, there's nothing, nothing to see here. I'm just hanging out. Um, but, Do you know all the people, including us that were like, Oh, Twin Peaks is going to come out on criteria. <laughs> well, cause uh, he had a cup of coffee or something yeah. like, yeah, there's some, yeah. some wink and a nod, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, this might've been why when he was there, yeah. um, of course, more things that happen, which is uh, 75 minutes of extra scenes, which makes me think of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me because they had um, like right. about an hour and a half of scenes. So, right. and those were really good. Um, I yeah, that'll be fun. It will. Uh, another ballerina, a short film, and um, reading by Lynch of excerpts from Room to Dream, his 2018 book with critic Christine McKenna. I would listen to him reading the phone book. <laughs> Just love that yeah. man. Yeah. So He's yeah. Such a weirdo. I love it. Yeah. Right in the player, for sure. I've actually been waiting for this for so long. So, And Dave, anything else? I, I'm i just very excited to see it. It will finally make me uh, David Lynch feature film complete. Woo-hoo! So uh, nothing else really to do there. Um, the only thing, granted, I, I don't know off the top of my head because I haven't seen it. I know that the whole like stop motion rabbits thing is part of this, but I yeah. also thought that he had made more than just what was in the movie. I'm not sure. I'm not seeing this this standalone rabbits film as part of this special features. Maybe the entire rabbits thing is in the movie. Again, I don't know. But if it's not, I would have wished that they would have included that as a special feature. But again, I'm coming in here with not enough knowledge to accurately comment. But yet I am still talking. Yeah, I do. There are rabbits in the film. You know, that's not a spoiler. It's um, they're there. But yeah, that I was surprised that I didn't see that as a standalone either. I, I wonder if that'll be in the more things that happened. Um, I, mm. Yeah, don't know. We'll find out. Um, Could be. I, I think I'm also feature film complete now. I didn't even think about that. Um, so cool. Yay, David Lynch. And we just have la- one more. And um, I'm, I'm going to start out this time. I got nothing. So Joan Micklin Silver. Uh, I've never heard that name before. So uh, Chili Scenes a Winner. So this is made in 1979. So um, another female director. Uh, nice cover as well. And it's coming out on March 28th. That's when uh, Dave will get his big staff criterions. Um, so uh, Jill, Dave, anything? This movie is so good. Good. <laughs> it's so good. Holy shit. This came out on Twilight Time. Um, it's uh, maybe 2016. I think um yeah oh my god it's great John Hurd is so good in this and talk about like in real life dude was really fucked up and uh definitely yeah definitely a tortured soul and was not the best dude um but man he he's so good in this so um yeah i'm really excited about this one i had to check to see if i owned it because i own a lot of twilight times uh, yeah dave 
I had never I had never heard of this film before this announcement. I'm excited to see it. I only know John Hurd really as the dad from Home Alone. So, <laughs> yeah, I know this is this is a diff, a whole different level. He really was a great actor, and and as he was um he was with Melissa Leo mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. and just was really abusive and terrible to her. Huh. Um, I didn't know that, and. But he also just had a really, you know, because he died, I think. Recently. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the last three or four years. Oh, my goodness. And, 2017 is when he died. Okay. But that does feel like three years yeah, ago. Yeah, right. I know, okay. I know. So well, it's only 2020. And he, when he, basically before he died, he was just a sad person and just very troubled. And he, um, Ileana Douglas, um had a podcast i don't know if she still does it but she had this podcast and she has a a way with really cranky men she knows how to kind of get them to you know open up and um she he basically said you know he he worried if anybody would ever remember him or think about him oh boy and yeah it just it's just a very damaged person and this he's just very good in this very very good so as much as the terrible things he did this this really is an astonishing performance and so if you only know him as the dad from home alone (laughs) yeah he's so good in this and Dave, you you know him from other stuff. I mean, he was he is like really Cutter's a great, Way. great actor. Yeah, the, I've never seen Cutter's oh Way. I do know. I, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> oh my I god! Know. He was Cutter's in the. I, I have seen After Hours finally okay. fairly recently, okay. and he's in that too. Right. Yeah. Get uh, nothing, the I'm, get the to Cutter's Way, which yeah. also okay. yeah. was it, released on Twilight Time. It was. Um, yeah. Um, so I maybe, see that maybe Criterion, Criterion will get it. I can yeah. see it too. It's so good. It is good. Yeah. And of course the elephant man, uh, I think he, that's one of yeah. his best performances. So I, yep. uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that's, that's interesting context. I did not know all that about him, but, um, but yeah. Wait, wasn't elephant man, John Hurt? No, just John Hurt. Yeah. Not John Hurd. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. You know like, what? Wait a second. Let's just, you know what? That was a time moment for me. Um, I I heard, no pun intended. I heard hurt, but heard, it was heard. Hurt. Okay, that, that was that. No wonder I didn't know that about him because it, that's not true. But um, let me tell you, he was also in White Chicks. Okay. <laughs> Chud... I'm going to start telling people that that the dad from Home Alone was the guy in Elephant Man. <laughs> I think you go for it. It's, it's been a while since I've seen he Home Alone. He was like the epic. You know, before, because I know we have to wrap this up, but I do yeah. have to give. He was always a great villain, and um, okay, he yeah. was he was in um, um, my fellow Americans. Okay, which is like a really great like comedy that you watch with your parents. So you know, it's got James Garner and Jack Lemmon, and John Hurd is in it. And he, I do not want to give it away, but near the end of the movie, he has what is single-handedly the greatest line in all of cinema. Like, and the delivery is so fucking good. 
<laughs> so I, if you've ever seen that movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because he's so stupid. The character's so stupid. And he has this just really great line. And I'll leave it at that. I look forward to that. I, I can't believe I did that. And you know what's funny is John Hurt also died in 2017. 2017. And yes. this film also has Mary Beth Hurt. So I'm just so confused in so many and ways. And William Hurt died <laughs> last year. We've just got a lot of Hurt and Hurts. A lot of Hurt and Hurts. Um, but yeah, also a great actor. Um, so uh, looking forward to this. Uh, and there's, yeah, Griffin Dunn is a producer. Speaking of After Hours, this is um, early in his career. Yep. And yeah, there's a documentary about uh, Joan McMicklin Silver. So I'm curious to learn more about her. And yeah, an, an uh, original op- ending of the film, um, which was cut for the original release. Interesting. Well, I will take your advice and buy this one and look forward to it. And that is all we have. So, yeah. Dave, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. It's fun. Yeah. Thanks for taking time out of your night. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, that's a good question because who knows what will still be around uh, <laughs> soon. <laughs> but you can find me for the time being on Twitter at Cinema versus Dave. That is Cinema vs Dave. I am on other newer social media things as well at that same handle, but I don't really check those. Uh, but Letterboxed also at Cinema vs Dave. All about those Cinema gifts you post. Dave. Like yeah, that that is like the highlight of social media for me. FYI, that I'm glad that it is appreciated. I I need to be doing it more. I I have cut back a little bit uh, out of fear of potentially uh, enriching someone who who may or may not own uh, a big social media platform who has no <laughs> business owning it. But we'll not get into that here. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So uh, all right. Well, and actually, on that note, I don't know where to find Jill. <laughs> Well, so I like sort of left Twitter-ish, but not really. I pop in every once in a while, but I've deleted the app and and I was spending Mm -hmm. too much time on there anyways. But I I, I technically am still on Twitter. I do log on every couple of days to check because I'll have DMs or whatever. Um, I'm on Mastodon and maybe Hive (laughs) um, and... I don't know if I have a counter social, but yeah, I, I have linked in my Twitter, which is biscuit kitten. Um, and I, I try to use that across all, all, uh, platforms. Uh, but the Mastodon, you know, you got to get on like an instance and like, you got to know. Yeah. I don't yeah, I, have, I haven't figured it out. The yeah. link is there on my Twitter. You can find me. I'm on Instagram. It's locked down because bunch of people were getting perverted and i can't deal with that shit so you can friend me and if you look not like a pervert i may add you <laughs> and then i'm on um i'm on facebook so i'm in the facebook group and if you see me and again if you if you friend me and i think you don't look perverted i'll i'll add you you know i have I, I, somebody asked me about that i have like 80 friend requests pending because i don't want to turn them down in case they're listeners and i just yeah don't, don't recognize but um, but yeah, I, 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 I have a know. lot pending too. I went through and added a few people, but I had a ton in there and I was like, mm, you know, like I, I gotta have like an interaction. So mm-hmm. interact with me and I may <laughs> add you. And that's a great point. You can find you're active, uh, in the Facebook group and, um, you know, so am I and Dave, so sometimes you are. So, um, that's, a, yeah, that's a, a, I never thought I'd say this, but Facebook is almost a, a safe haven now. But anyway, um, well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm tweeting a little more, which is weird. Uh, AWS505. And um, you can find the show on the Criterion Cast Master Feed, 
uh, yeah, like I said, come hang out in the Criterion Now group. And um, yeah, and we have more stuff coming as we've uh, teased a few times. One day it will not be a tease and you'll actually really enjoy it. So thanks, you two. Yeah, thanks. This is great. Thank you.